Whether you're a professional dancer or just started falling in love with ballet dance, welcome to the Ballet Dance Life podcast. Here, we are diving deep into all facets of ballet dance world that cannot be found in a workshop or an audience seat. Every week, you will find new, honest, thought-provoking, inspiring, and educational conversation with top leading professionals of our industry. I'm your host, Jana Komornitska, and I'm honored that you are part of our dance tribe. What stops you from practicing more at home? Typically, it's uh, time, space, money, low motivation, or maybe frustration with what exactly to do. How about solving all this with Yana Dance Club? Don't have time? Each practice drill is only 20 minutes long. It's a complete workout with a special focus on different technique element. And even if you do the suggested bare minimum, you still will see results. And it won't take you more than 20 minutes per session. Have limited space? All drills are actually designed for practice in your home. So it's literally a no-brainer. Struggle with motivation and discipline? How about making your training fun with monthly challenges, cool bonuses, and support from a like-minded community of dancers? I promise you'll start looking forward to your practices very soon. Concerned about money? Did you know that the membership starts with only $8 per month? It's less than a regular group class in your local studio all the cost of two Starbucks coffees. But in this case, you actually invest those $8 in a whole month of your dance training. And finally, no more frustration on how exactly to approach your training at home and what to do. You can use those drills as a warm-up or to get into a groove before your longer individual sessions, or actually as a complete 20-minute ballet dance workout of the day. Simply follow the suggested plan for your weekly training and push your dance skills to the next level. You can find more information about Yana Dance Club at yanadanceclub.com and start your 7-day free trial today. Once again, visit yanadanceclub.com for more information and to start your weekly ballet dance training today. Hello, 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 guys. How are you doing? How was your week? Are you ready for another terrific best of episode? I love putting together this kind of episodes and feature different approaches, different opinions, different knowledge from different artists, but on the same kind of topic. And hearing those parts of interviews back to back really gives a very interesting perspective on it. So I hope you enjoy them too, and I will be doing them from time to time. So this episode, Best Off, is dedicated to the topic of health. Health and dance in general, and health as a dancer specifically. And we will hear from four of our previous guests, from Cassandra Fox, Jelena, Ala Kushnir, and Aradia of Las Vegas. All of these guests were featured as a separate interview and separate episodes, so I will put links in the show notes, and I highly encourage you, if you missed any of those, go back and listen to the full 
a full episodes and full conversations because we highlighted many many different topics in every of these uh, conversations and i am absolutely sure you will enjoy or maybe you'll get uh, inspired to actually re-listen because for me personally i listen to every episode like two or three times at least and i record and i edit and later just for myself and every time i open something new that i missed and didn't notice before so i highly encourage you to do so too but for now we'll have uh, uh, four little parts from previous episodes regarding health topic and before we dive right into this very important and exciting topic there is something that you definitely need to know this is so exciting! Jelena's Ballad Dance Evolution is debuting their latest production, The Jungle Book, this March in Hanover, Germany, starring Luna, Shana D'Souza, Kader, Kapua, and Jelena. You can see exclusive behind-the-scenes footage, interview with the cast, and learn about joining the BDA cast by following Ballad Dance Evolution on Facebook and Instagram. Either you're here because you like my dancing and my work, or you don't. Mm. And that's what it comes down to me. So whether or not you think I'm pretty, whether or not you think I have the right body type, not really relevant to me in the grand scheme of things. I'm just like more or less happy to be here. So <laughs> um, that's really how I, I deal with that. And I encourage any girl who's hearing whatever her body type is. And that's the reality of it. I've been 20 pounds thinner. Um, and the irony of that for me was... When I was at, uh, at my lowest, I was probably 25 pounds smaller, maybe close to 30, but I was sick at the time. Uh, and that was a real big eye opener for me. I had fallen asleep at the wheel driving home twice. Mm -hmm. uh, I was lucky that that didn't end more like end badly for me. I, you know, I was, I, I, what did, you know, it came to head when I was starting to faint. Um, and to hear all the time, oh, you look so amazing. And I could barely make it through a show. I felt like when you put your car, like your car, your foot on the gas pedal and your car sputters and stalls. Mm. That's how I was feeling. And then these people telling you, oh, you look so amazing. What's your secret? <laughs> You're like, what? <laughs> I don't have a secret now. I feel like crap. Um, and then to be at a point where I feel very healthy and my body is moving so well and doing so much to be like, it looked better when you were thinner. And then the irony of this is too, at that smallest weight for me, I was still getting called fat. So it starts to lose its meaning. And plus personally, I don't think fat should be a bad thing or a bad word. It should be a descriptor like blonde or tall or short. Um, we have these synonyms of fat equals laziness and, and you know, fat equals uh, slob like, or, you know, unfit. And it's simply not the case. Uh, physiology is unique for a lot of people. And I think we need to keep an open mind on it and really focus on how do you feel? Is your body able to do what you want it to? You know, how are you feeling with what you're eating? That's when you need to make changes when you're not feeling good. Um, so for me, health is very much paramount. I know what it's like to try and dance through being sick and it was awful. So if you have a problem with how I look, it's not so relevant to me as long as I'm feeling good and I feel like I can do my job. It's so refreshing to hear that you are talking and emphasizing the uh, importance of health, first of all, uh, because it's either way slim or curvy, it doesn't really matter. Like it's, first of all, 
the main importance should be your health and how you feel and then how you look or how other people feel uh, think about or think of about you or your body or anything like that because um in my own experience, I'm coming from slightly different background, which, of course, uh, influences uh, your mindset and your approach to, to dance and to uh, requirements, let's say, to professional dancing. Like, I'm born and raised in Ukraine, in Soviet Union, yep. post-Soviet Union country, with very strong ballet school. So we are used to very thin, athletical bodies on stage, and it's sort of a requirement that, uh, oh, if you're a professional dancer, you need to look fit and good and I even remember then I was uh, starting my dance journey a little bit more serious than just a hobby but starting just doing in a group like professional dance group and we had the um, situations that our director was just selling girl like okay I like how you dance but you need to lose weight if you want to stay in this group I'm not talking about student troops that's different <laughs> but it was a professional group yeah and yeah of course it was unpleasant for everyone like the situations but it was not questioned. It was like, okay, that's the situation. So she either needs to uh, lose weight or to leave the group. Like that was sort of like not pleasant, but that's reality. Yeah. And then, then I came to Canada and I found that in North America, it's much more open to uh, accepting different body types as a professional dance performers, yeah. which is very interesting for me. But then I start noticing that, okay, it's very beautiful and it's interesting how open-minded the society is. But very often I found opposite, that this talks about self-love and self-acceptance is sometimes sort of a excuse of just covering simple laziness to actually take care of you and in this regard i'm talking about health taking care of health whatever it means yeah. body or mind so and it's very interesting and refreshing to hear that you are actually talking first about uh health and how this makes you feel uh, whatever body shape or uh, mindset you are right now it makes you feel good and that's absolutely amazing and I think a lot of uh, uh, specifically women but any people I think regardless of gender they sometimes forget that visual is just visual and it's yeah. <laughs> whatever visual goals you have doesn't necessarily make you happy it's first of all needs to go from internal of your health whatever you need to do either maybe get a little bit more curvy or maybe get a bit slim but it's first of all about health so how do you find this uh, i don't know if you can sort of separate where is the uh, self-love and self-acceptance and where it can be just sort of uh, laziness or not believe that you can uh, get to a better place whatever you it means for person well I think I come at it from a different perspective. I actually, my, when I was in university, I was studying nutrition and nutraceutical sciences. Uh, so it's bio, it was basically biochem and the, the look, not necessarily biochemistry. We'd take some biochemistry, but it was making products, um, product development for natural health products. And so obviously a lot of human health and nutrition courses. Uh, and I feel like what's really lost sight of is healthy doesn't have a face. We associate one, we think healthy, we think slim, fit, six pack, but healthy does not have a face. Mm. Healthy can look so different on so many people, but we are trained to associate visuals with health and visuals with not healthy. 
Um, and I think society needs a reset and people need to open their mind. I'm also of the mindset, like I'm pretty, um, let people live their lives as they choose. So I'm of the mindset of someone wants to be lazy and their laziness is leading to their unhealthiness in that specific instance, then that's sort of their right. (laughs) Um, I mean, like you only get one life, you get one trip. And if that's how you want to spend it, that's how you want to spend it. I know how I feel when someone tries to tell me what I should be doing or how I should live my life. Um, So I try not to do it to others. Um, But I do think that if you're like, if you're not feeling good and it's bothering you, then you do need to make a change. If it's not bothering you, then what's the point in making a change? But if it is bothering you, then you need to, or you should address it because it feels great to feel better. (laughs) It feels (laughs) amazing to feel better. Um, You know, and, and with the body love and the self love stuff, having seen it, you know what? I like to support other dancers online. And if there's one thing I can honestly say is watching other dancers or seeing their stuff and seeing the comments they get, it really doesn't matter what body type you have as a dancer. Someone's going to say something bad about it. Hmm. If you're skinny, you're too skinny and you don't have any curves or you have no boobs or you've got no hips or this, that, and the other. And that's a problem. A belly dancer should be curvy. And then sometimes you could be the curvy dancer in here. Like you should be less or there's too much to shake or it's just jiggle. Like it's, People just say stuff to say stuff sometimes, you know, without even knowing what they're talking about. So if you can do what you want to do and you feel good doing it, I feel like you're on the right path. Then the reality is like you have to find what foods agree with you. Like for me, I'm in the process of doing elimination diets because I, I deal with indigestion and it's not always obvious foods. Like obviously deep fried foods impact indigestion, but also for me, cabbage does too. Just plain old cabbage. <laughs> Hmm. I have a hard time with it. Iceberg lettuce. I have a hard time with it. So it's not always the foods that we assume to be healthy or unhealthy. You know, the unhealthy ones are pretty consistent. Like if you deep fry anything, indigestion's on the radar. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, it's it's not necessarily like we would all think of cabbage or lettuce as health foods. Mm -hmm. But for me, iceberg lettuce is is a a guaranteed gas issue. And this is what I'm talking about with feeling good. And it's not necessarily what our perceptions of of health are. And you really have to pay attention to your body and how you feel. If you don't have the energy to get through a practice, then you should do your best to address that and work on how can I get more energy to get through this practice? You know, maybe you're not, maybe you're not getting through practices because you're having glucose crashes. You know, a sugar crash will knock you on your butt hundred percent. Um, and then there's mis, you know, uh, misconceptions on people think like, oh, I went to booster juice and I got a smoothie. It's super healthy. Well, if you just have fruit packed in your smoothie, you've just like, you're, you, you may have set yourself up for a sugar crash depending on mm-hmm. what your metabolic needs are, Yeah. but we associate fruit as healthy, right? So it's, it's really on a case to case basis. And I feel like the whole health industry and in turn, you know, fitness industries or, um, performance industries like dance would benefit from having a more open mind case-to-case perspective because as I said earlier the most important thing for me is health doesn't have a face and health is also a privilege if you are someone who has um, chronic disease then you see health as a privilege and you know healthy is relative for you and we have to take that into account with people that they're going to do do the best you can with what you have Hmm. within your realm and I think that's the best way to move forward like Even if 
you know, say if you suffer from chronic back pain, you might always have chronic back pain, but perhaps you can make lifestyle choices to help alleviate. And those lifestyle choices may be specific to you and your condition. I just mentioned so many activities that you do, like travel, uh, ballet dance studio, uh, company, ballet dance evolution. It's a lot of many different projects, and I can only imagine how crazy schedule and lifestyle you have. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, do you have any tips or secrets? How do you manage to keep your health on track and your energy level? Because... This is really crazy lifestyle. <laughs> yeah, it is. And, I, you know, I know a lot of the dancers are out there on the road. And um, it, it's definitely a challenge, you know, uh, keeping your health because our health relates and our energy levels relate to what we do, literally. You know, we have to show up. We have to get up and teach and perform for, for hours on end with uh, very little sleep sometimes. So that's always, that's always a challenge. Um, but I, I take, I take it really seriously. Like I've always sort of been into health and fitness and just, uh, you know, as I'm getting older, I guess it's more about, I'm taking the approach. It's more about how I feel than how I look. Of course I want to look fit and I want to look, you know, squeeze into my costumes, like, like all of mm -hmm. us, but it's, I'm really finding that I'm more motivated by the feeling I get when I'm, when I'm on point with my health, with my nutrition and my fitness and, and, uh, sleep, you know, that's something that's often gets left out of, uh, uh the health conversation. So having a balance of, of a lot of those things, uh, is really important, but, uh, I know when I'm, when I'm really, you know, Focus on those things. I'm definitely having like more energy, and I'm able to, to to be um, more productive. Mm. I really like your point that it's more about how you feel than how you look. Uh, I think it's very healthy approach, even mentally, to all these issues of the health. Uh, but at the same yeah. time, um, I kind of want to ask, from a professional dance point. As a professional dance performer, does body shape matters or is it just about dance skills? Honestly, I think it's it's about being in condition no matter what size you are. Um, you know, I know very petite dancers. I know very, very large dancers uh, that they're in a strong physical condition that they can they can move really well. They can tolerate, you know, eight to nine hours of rehearsals. Uh, with their bodies w without injury. So they're able to sustain those things that, you know, that's really important to consider is being able to do these things and, and avoid injuries. So it's about like the conditioning of the body. It's not really about the, the size or the shape because we're all, you know, we all have this like different genetic makeup, different bone structure, different height. Um, so it's, I feel like it's very individual to that person and how, how they handle their fitness and nutrition and how they feel and if they can show up and, and, um, and feel good after eight hours of dancing. Of course, tired, like all of us, but uh, that, that's, that's what I, you know, I would say it's, it depends. It's a very personal thing about how they feel. Mm. Then you talk about conditioning of your body. What exactly do you mean? What does conditioning mean for you? Um, well, I... 
it kind of starts with me with, with nutrition. And the funny thing, the, the reason, sorry, I was a little late this morning with our, with our phone date, with our interview. Um, but I was actually on a, on a, another Skype phone call with, um, with, uh, my results from my genome testing. And I don't know if you know anything about that, but it's a, it's a DNA test that really like looks deep into your DNA and see if you have uh, precursors for, uh, any diseases like diabetes mm -hmm. or other things, what type of, um, exercise level you should be doing, what type of foods work with your body, hormone levels. And it was tremendously insightful. Um, fortunately, I, things are looking pretty good. Uh, specifically, he, he noted that one of the top things is, is my mood and my emotional state, that they can even read that in, in your genes. Um, oh, wow. and I said, Oh, that, that, that feels pretty on point. I'm in a, you know, I'm often, you know, very positive person, as you know. So then we went through nutrition and diet and all the, all of those things and different, um, things that I would be a precursor for, uh, if I wasn't, like taking care of, um, nutrition. So it's, for me, I do, I sort of lean into a paleo type of nutrition where, um, it's, it's really like low, low carbs, maybe like, it's basically, we call it like a 60, 30, 10 or 50, 40, 10. So 60, 30, 10 means 60% of my meal would consist of like high fiber veggies, like, um, specifically like broccoli and, the cauliflower and like really like cruciferous vegetables, things like that, Brussels sprouts, then a really clean protein. I just say clean because I think we all know what that means. So like a nice piece of fish or chicken, and then a complex carb would be the 10%. So something like, um, like a half of a sweet potato or a tablespoon of quinoa to, to have that balance. Uh, because a lot of the carbs sort of trend, you know, transform into sugars into your body and that transforms into fat. And that's, you know, kind of a concern for, for conditioning. Um, mm. yeah. So, um, that's kind of my approach to my meals. I also do something called intermittent fasting where I eat between like an eight hour window, uh, or sometimes a six hour window or sometimes, little bit higher, lower. And I, I kind of listen to my body. I don't really get too crazy obsessed with it. Uh, you know, I went down that rabbit hole <laughs> and, uh, just having a balance, I think of that. So basically like maybe skipping breakfast and, uh, sometimes I'll do like a bulletproof coffee with the coffee with a little bit of coconut oil. And, uh, then I'll skip, skip breakfast and then have my first meal around like one o'clock. And then, um, the last meal around six or 7 PM. So then that way between when I go to bed and I wake up in the morning, then I'm, then I'm fasting. And that just, it gives, once you get used to it and you adapt to it, it actually, it's very energizing. Your body has a lot of energizing energy because you're not, your body's not working on digesting food and your organs have a chance to rest and, um, in the beginning, it was challenging, I, I have to say. But once I was acclimated to it, it uh, I found it really energizing. And I'm able to, like, work out. Uh, usually, I try to work out in the morning. So usually, I can even do some sort of workout um, with my Bulletproof coffee. Or, or often, I have what I call, like, Bulletproof green tea. Mm. So green tea, green tea matcha is a big, big part of my program. I have it almost every day. 
And, you know, there's so many benefits to green tea. There's the, um, the antioxidants, the cordyceps, um, oh, sorry, the cachetins. I love that word, cachetins, <laughs> uh, that you can get from green tea, which are like anti-cancerous and just, um, you know, really, really beneficial for the body. And the benefit, too, is it gives you a little lift with the caffeine. So, you know, that doesn't hurt my feelings. Mm. It's so funny. I literally today had a bulletproof uh, uh, cacao. Did <laughs> I you? can drink coffee. Yes. Um, I can drink coffee. I'm not a coffee drinker. I had awful headaches immediately, ah. but I subbed it with cacao. I didn't try it with matcha, but with cacao, I did. Um, although I, um, I kind of feel like bulletproof uh, thing, it's a separate philosophy and many people have no idea about it. Right. So... Uh, I probably will just, I'm, I know one very cool YouTube video that explains it a lot, so I'll probably just add, uh, um, add a note yeah. in the show link. Yeah, because so people, people don't go know and the look. bulletproof, what, yeah, yes. a lot of people ask, that'd be great to share that with people, because it's, it's kind of yeah. interesting. So, <laughs> so you don't go in the scientific uh, yeah. points of what is bulletproof, but just on this note, I also should add that, that I had a very... Um, doubtful doubtful experience with bulletproof mm -hmm. because then i just discovered about it and it has a lot of uh, uh positive uh, health benefits like at least what i read and what i researched like was everything great so i was like okay i'll do it and it gives energy and you don't feel hungry in the morning you can work out but i remember then i started doing it on a daily basis after a week, I got uh, side effects like nausea and uh. I felt like very bad on stomach. So, and then I went a little bit more in research and I thought for some people, if you do it on a daily basis, it can get, it's sort of over accumulation of those elements from coconut oil. Yeah. Not just from coconut oil, but highly extracted coconut oil. Right, <laughs> Because right. it's specifically bulletproof. So I just want to give like here, like I do it still as well. Even yeah, I don't, I don't do it every day either. I don't do the intermittent oh, fasting okay. every day and I don't recommend it. It's, it, it, it becomes, it, like you said, once you go too far, it can become like a stressor on the body. Yeah, yeah. So like, it's great tool. So I definitely add the link in show notes that, clearly explains what is bulletproof concept yeah. of coffee or matcha, but also yeah. people don't go crazy just because you heard it from yeah. on yeah. the podcast. And again, it's such a personal thing. You have to find out, like, just like having this conversation about my own genome. Um, he was like, yeah, you need to cut back on some of the coconut oils because, you know, he says olive oil and avocado is great for you and your DNA but too much olive oil, uh, sorry, too much coconut oil is going to um, like, you know, raise your other levels. So it's very, very personal. And you have to see how you feel again, not how, you, you know, not, it's not always about what the mirror says. It's about how your body reacts to it. Mm -hmm. So true. Yeah. Also, you mentioned about intermediate fasting mm -hmm. or like limiting probably even if you don't do intermediate fasting, but you probably have sort of like don't eat before sleep or something like that on a daily basis. How about after shows? That that's such a challenge, and especially dancers who travel. Um, this is like something I've been trying to. I'm. I feel like I've gotten better at it, but it's it's really hard because you know obviously eating before bed is not good, that's not good for your digestion. It's not easy to sleep well. And, um, so the thing is like, for example, like, uh, specifically if I work in like Italy and Spain and where they have the, uh, 
the siesta, where the restaurants don't mm-hmm. even open till eight, eight or nine o'clock at night. The restaurant, like you're at the hotel, mm-hmm. and then you're getting picked up to go to the theater at seven o'clock, and you finished your workshop at three o'clock, and nothing's open. So there's this like there's this huge window of time where there's no food available. And you got to eat something before the show. You can't really have a full giant meal before the show. I don't like to eat like at least three hours before a show, just very, very light, light things. So mm-hmm. I've sort of come up with this kind of system um, where I, I will definitely like I'll, I'll plan like I know on Saturday I have the workshop and then I have like a, I have my downtime and then I have I'm picked up for the theater show at this time. And uh, what I'll do is I'll order something from room service or I'll go out and get something and I'll bring it back to my room. And then I have my meal um, sort of like a like maybe like a big salad with some protein on it and some um, some veggies and maybe like a plain yogurt, some sort of like healthy snacks also to get me through. So I'll have like a sort of like a very, very light, light dinner, like maybe a quarter of the food. I'll eat about a quarter of the food, then I'll just cover it up and leave it in my hotel room. So when the show is over and we come back to the hotel, um, I know that I've got a nice, healthy option waiting in my hotel room. So then I'll have my mm. my chicken salad, for example, have that, you know, take a shower and go to bed. So I am eating pretty close to my bedtime. But the good thing is, um, actually, like I was with Shaharazad the other day. We were both in um, working at a festival in Germany, and the show ended. We went back to the hotel, and everything was closed. And she had not eaten the whole day, and the only option was some sort of like delivery pizza, and she's gluten free, so so she basically had to completely skip having a meal, and that's not going to be you know a healthy option either. So often late at night, the only thing available is pizza, right? So, and it's usually not even like great qualities. So, um, just kind of planning ahead and being strategic about it because that, that just happens. Um, and then again, like the siestas with the restaurants being closed and not, not being able to have any options is something to, that, to consider and to navigate ahead of time and, and reach out. I reach out to like sponsors and friends and I ask them, can I please, you know, sometimes I'll have, I'll have my chicken set or uh, my food backstage and as soon as the show ends, I'm so hungry. I'll just be like scarfing down my food in my costume, <laughs> uh, you know, because I really it's really hard for me to dance with a full belly. So I try to just have like snacks, like some nuts, maybe a little tiny bit of fruit. I don't eat a lot of fruit. Um, so nuts and maybe a power bar uh, backstage if I start if the show is going, you know, way longer than expected. Um, which, uh, hello, I think we've all been backstage at those shows. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's something that I, uh, I try to just be strategic and plan with. The other thing as I do is I travel with a bunch of my favorite sort of healthy, uh, healthy, healthy options. Uh, for example, like I have um, I have this mushroom blend which is um, by Laird Hamilton. I don't know if you heard of him. He's a, f- a famous surfer. I'm going to send you a bunch of these links about some of the stuff I talk, oh, cool. talk to you about. So mm-hmm. I'll send you links to all this stuff we talk about. So if anybody wants to check it out. But basically, it's this mushroom blend, and it has um, it has chaga for, like, recovery. It's, it, these are names of mushrooms, by the way. Chaga for recovery, cordyceps for, like, uh, energy and endurance, and then the mitake to boost your immune system. So I can add that into my green tea, green tea mix, and I use, like, a really nice high-quality uh, matcha from Japan. 
I mix that in and then I can get like a teaspoon of um, coconut butter. And I don't, uh, you know, now I'm going to be cutting back a little bit on my coconut butter, but that's also just to have some oils to kind of coat my stomach, give me some energy if I've got an early workshop. So I have that in my room and I don't need a refrigerator and I don't need, uh, I don't even need hot water sometimes. Sometimes I just use bottled water and I have it room temp. So it's totally like accessible to me anytime, um, anytime that I need it. So having, having that is, is a really good travel travel kit in my bag so basically it's a spoon of coconut oil if you feel hungry not not a cookie <laughs> or not chocolate a <laughs> definitely not a cookie or a chocolate yeah yeah uh if i do chocolate um oh i'll send you that too there's this really great brand it's a really high quality chocolate and it's about 85 percent so very low in sugar but really nice to have just a little chunk when your body is craving it and you know chocolate has a lot of great benefits too if you eat it in moderation and it's not loaded down with sugar that's something that um i you know i i have like my plan like my backup plan so when i have those cravings then then i have i have something healthy to to reach into my bag uh so you know i really try as much as i can to avoid sugars and sugars and everything, you know, it's in juice, it's in, it's in salad dressings, it's in the sauces, it's, you know, you, it's really hard to avoid. Um, so I, I, I do my best. Traveling is always challenging. So I often just get like salad dressing on the side, or I just ask for some olive oil and some lemon. Um, and I just do my best. It, it, the funny thing is in my contracts for like Billy Dance Evolution, like our green room contract says, no soda, no juice, water only, and no candy or cookies. Just mm. fresh fruits, healthy snacks, and nuts. Because part, part of it is a little bit strategic, not just for me, but also I know that if my dancers get loaded up on sugars and sodas and juices and they got, they're up on a sugar high, they're going to crash down and their energy level is going to drop. So it's... Uh, it's strategic. But yeah, that's a very good strategy. <laughs> <laughs> You're uh, planning ahead to save yourself from possible, uh, possible issues. But for some of yeah. you who may not be much into uh, nutrition and all these food explorations, and uh, uh, what's the problem with all these sweets? It just you're, you're, it spikes your glycemic level. So when you have these, when you have too much sugar, it spikes your glycemic level. Um, and sugar just turns in, basically turns into fat into the body. And you can also have like much, much bigger problems, like a fatty liver. Uh, you can get diabetes. So it's just, um, you know, many years ago they took out, you know, remember when the whole low fat or non-fat thing became so popular, they were taking all the fat out of foods and then, but then they loaded them up with sugar and like corn syrup and, uh, all these like different kind of um, ingredients that, as you could see specifically in the United States, like huge spikes in in diabetes. Um, so, if if you do an experiment, like I encourage people to try it and see how they feel. To do like try one week with no processed sugar. So, like yeah, you can have some fruit. Maybe just limit the fruit. Try to eat like uh, berries, which are low glycemic. Strawberries, blueberries, raspberries. Um, avoid higher glycemic fruit like uh, bananas and uh, watermelon, even though they're good and tasty and, 
you know, I eat them on the road because sometimes that's all we have ex- access to. But try an experiment of doing a whole week without any white processed sugar. And it, it's an interesting experiment because you start reading the labels and you realize, oh, my God, everything has sugar. Even my, mm. sp- even my spaghetti sauce is, has sugar. <laughs> And that actually brings me to another point, because uh, at some point during your career, you had quite a a body transformation, and uh, you now point a lot, even on your social media, for a healthier uh, lifestyle and uh, your nutrition and exercise activities. Uh, Was this uh, change in the approach and having new lifestyle, was it somehow connected to your career or was it something just on a personal level you wanted to to go to a more um, healthier uh, body mm-hmm. I think that all the wind comes from social media <laughs> because uh, the Instagram full of healthy projects uh, the healthy food and the healthy people now and which is very good for all the world better we promote this kind of uh, lifestyle than other. Number two, uh, the now I'm not uh, uh, not not growing anymore. <laughs> it's another process. Yeah, I'm after thirty, which need uh, better treatment. My body and my health I need better treatment uh, to be not only strong performer, beautiful as well. Because when you are dancer. Uh, the stage like uh, young bodies and uh, um, like confidence and uh, powerful and uh, beautiful performances. So all this you should care. And uh, sure, everyone knows that uh, the health starts from uh, inside uh, what we eat. And after and beauty mm-hmm. as well yes so uh, and also i don't like uh, so much uh, plastic surgery and uh, not natural products so i'm trying my best to um, save uh, my health and uh, my body by natural way and uh, sure i want to be nice on stage uh, and you know i'm a very powerful dancer and uh, i feel like people not ready to see me uh, when I uh, take it easy. <laughs> People uh, have my level and they um, like to see me um, on my style. You know, sometimes when I do something more quiet, the people ask, are you tired? Or, you know, like uh, each dancer uh, looks good in her own style, for example. So I have this uh, sportive uh, character from the beginning and all people uh, like to see me on good shape. But I think it's very individual because uh, dancers is different. Some dancers, uh, they look like, they look good in awalim, in old style. Some dancers look good in drum solo. Other dancers, the queens of Umkalsum, you know. Um, all, all we are doing something much better <laughs> like in our career, in our style. 
Yeah, that's definitely. But I can, uh, uh, I bet for with such lifestyle that you have and such intense, uh, uh, crazily intense uh, performance schedule, you do have to take care of your health and body. And then it basically results in a better visual picture as well. But you look absolutely awesome and uh, uh, many credits to you to have such a strong willpower to change a lot of things in your life and to get to a healthier and um, more comfortable for you uh, body shape. I know you share a lot of tips uh, about this on your uh, social media, but can we highlight a couple of key principles for people uh, to start their way towards more healthier lifestyle? Like anything three either that you think are the most important or three that you are your like most favorite and it can be something from little, like I don't know, uh, choice of breakfast to maybe something grand like uh, mindset or something like that. Anything that you kind of feel like as a highlighted, let's say three, three tips, habits, rituals, anything like that. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Okay, I have that. The most easy, for example, uh, I just tell that I'm not eating meat like three years, but it will not going to be uh, in this three. I just give this for information I, because people are all different. So uh, you can eat meat and be healthy as well, but I decide to not eat. And now uh, my three uh, best uh, <laughs> choices for my day a day uh, I love ginger drink ginger lemon and spoon of honey with hot water this is number one number two I like to do everyday vacuum with my belly which is uh, in my technique in my Instagram uh, in, uh, in uh, highlighting mm-hmm. and uh, number three uh, number three oh my god number three I want to put a lot Mm. You can add more. I just was thinking to limit three, but you can add more if you want. <laughs> let's uh, let's say to take a shower with uh, uh, different water, hot and uh, warm, hot and warm. It uh, helps you to wake up, and it helps to make your skin more uh, be more uh, strong. Having such a long-lasting career as a performer and uh, uh, there is a lot of uh, physical pressure uh, on a regular basis uh, for these uh, performances because it may seem like only like 15, 20, 30 minutes, but it's this burst of energy and really a lot of uh, physical pressure and emotional pressure. Uh, what uh, uh, do you... Uh, pay attention for for yourself or maybe you can recommend someone to already start paying attention even if they're in the beginning of their career to to be able to maintain uh, this profession for for long time most important um, because it wasn't necessarily taught to us in the beginning um, in back in the 70s we were not taught a lot about good posture and so we had a lot of bad habits back then and a lot of us have damaged our backs as a result of it, myself included. And so for a new dancer, you know, definitely get with a teacher that emphasizes posture, correct posture, with, so you won't injure yourself. Because it does take a lot, you know, you're doing repetitive movements over and over again. And over time, that does wear out the body. It's like a 
a pitcher in a baseball game, you know, eventually his shoulder is going to go out from pitching constantly. And so, you know, for the dancer, it's, you know, being aware of the, your body and not pushing if you're, you know, starting to have pain or something's starting to bother you. And not, and I had, and I was guilty of doing that where I just kept forcing things that, you know, my body was trying to tell me to back off and I didn't. And so, um, you know, I would definitely say that, you know, be aware of what your body is telling you and, and back off and, and vary things. You can always vary your show and change things up. And it, you know, also keeps you from getting into a rut. If you have to <laughs> redefine elements of your show to make it um, easier on your body to, you know, because yeah, the longevity is, you know, we want to be able to do this, you know, 40 plus years down the road. And, um, you know, a, a lot of dancers have had to retire from injuries. So I think, you know, just that physical health and strength training and, you know, keeping stretched out, all of those that we're taught are very important. But, um, you know, listen to your body is really key. It really is key. That's it for today, guys. But before you go away, don't forget to screenshot this episode and share it with your friends. And if you post it on social media, please tag me and our guest because we love seeing who is listening to the podcast. Thanks for being with us and I'll see you next week. Same time, same place.